Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. It is great to be with you. Happy Balls McWednesday, everyone. But more than that, happy birthday, T. Lizzie. We'll say it more here in a second and get to it in just a moment. By the way, on Twitter, it's at J. Cameron Show. Thanks to all of you joining us. In the chat here and driving about town on 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Hope everybody's doing all right. Yep, let's see. Uh, Director Matthew is here. He has not harmed himself. Alas, that's a toughie last night, but we had a conversation before going on the air. I got a report that uh, Director handled it with class and dignity. You get your weathered, you know, you get around, you, you see some things. You go through some things, and the next thing you know, you're all good to go. Circling back. It's the question every time, but of course the answer is always no. I would assume you don't feel any older, Tom. Me? No. I I think 34 has been this it's been the same since. You know, you get you get outside of the the early 30s, which is basically your late 20s. Yeah, when you're on the other side into your late 30s. I feel like 28 to 33 is about the same. When I got to 34, I was Taking stock of some things. <laughs> thinking, wow. You should hear how funny that sounds well, to, to a guy who's sitting here at 52. Because the reason is you're closing in on 15 years from completing undergrad. You know, that's that's the thought that I have. Is, My God. Mm, yeah. Basically, undergrad was a child getting to become a freshman in high school apart from where I am right now. And that's a lot of time. Yeah, when you do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but since then, now it's been about the same. I'm sure 40 is going to hit a little different. It, it weirdly did not for me. It didn't, even no. though with all the teasing that Millar did for all those years? I think maybe that's why it didn't. He was telling me I was damn near 40 when I was 29. So I didn't even turn 30 yet when he said you're damn near 40. And then I got to to hear it for the next decade. And when it actually happened, people it was like a, a letdown. Like, oh, hey, yeah, he is 40 now. <laughs> I really think if you're doing life right, you approach that that age beforehand you do you know like you do. I, yeah. i've already been 40 for a couple of years is what i'll well, say well you were 40 when you were 15 <laughs> well, but but you somewhere. are you are uh what are you 36 37 37 37 yeah. right yeah you just left Happy 36. 37th birthday to the bill buckner ball rest in peace 37 for tom wayne 37 is a good year 37 was a good year um i guess that's always relative somebody you know some guy could have been, you know, had had the worst year of his life when he was 37, and he hears that, and he kind of recoils a little bit. But I, I think if you didn't have any crazy upheaval in your life or something tragic, God forbid, then 37's a good one because you're still, you're still, you know, relatively young, but you're 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 certainly more way beyond uh, mature enough to kind of understand what's important. Well, yeah, I'm old enough now that if you know, let's say you were to go to. Um I don't know, like a playground, take your little niece or nephew or whatever, yeah. you know, take your kid there. And you, you, you could do something like you jump on a stage or a platform or you get onto the jungle gym or whatever. You got to think before you do it. Yeah, there's a chance you could hurt yourself. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You you still will at, th- at 37. Sure, I'll give it a go. But you have to think and consider and, and look at the angles of things. Well, I'll give Whereas you Whereas younger, you didn't have to think about that. There were no repercussions. You were going to do it. It's funny the way we view age and view being that age as opposed to somebody else's age. So, for example, yes, at 37, you might start thinking about whether or not to jump this or grab that or whatever, but just for fear that it could result in injury. Um, 
I recall, and I, this really sticks out to me and makes me smile and laugh because I just think it's funny. It's a, it's a glimpse of how you perceive me. We were playing golf together at Capital City Country Club uh, last year, and I hit a ball way left on 17, 16? What's the, the tree? The, oh, that's 18. It's, um, the, the way left one where you ha- I had to jump the creek. Oh, yeah, 18. 18. So it was yeah. 18, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a free drop over there, by it, the way. It is a free drop, yeah. and I could, but yeah. I saw my ball, and I was like, okay, I can play that. We're good. Yeah, we're good. This was this year. Yeah, I remember this. and I jumped over the creek. It's a decent sized jump with a weird steep angle. It's the steep angle and the fact that you're gonna, you know, you could plant your foot. You're wearing golf spikes, yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, you're gonna lock your foot in a position, yeah. And you could lock out your leg. Yeah. So that, that's those are the things that I'm considering, and you didn't give a damn. No, I jumped right over and did it, and I saw that look of concern on your face like, all right, he's, he's okay. So you made compound me, fracture your ankle, dude. And, and it made me laugh that you were viewing me that way, like, man, he doesn't think I can do this. <laughs> it's not that you couldn't. It's that it's a, it's a multiplier. It's just like with finely tuned Ferraris of athletes, yeah. you know, and they have spikes on turf. They complain about this because it doesn't give like yeah, grass. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I get it's pine straw slash dirt, but if that's hard impacted pine, you know, well, and dirt, then your leg is going to get locked, my man. And I, you know, that's I want suck. you to be. I want you to get to to where you understand that others are going to be looking at you in the way you were looking at oh, me. Yeah. It's, it'll it'll it's, get to that place and it'll make you laugh when it happens. Right? Director I, Matthew has. Director Ben does. I say some yeah. things and I see Director Ben when we meet on Zoom. Yeah, I'm like, oh, he's like. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you reference a movie from 20 years ago. He's like, I was barely alive. Director Ben has never seen a single minute of any Star Wars. He's like, nah, it just wasn't that relevant when I was younger. So, well, you'll be all right, Ben. <laughs> I'm really going to have to change my reference game here. <laughs> oh, man. I'll get to Florida State in a moment. I do like the, um, of course, I like the matchup this week, but I went inside the numbers. I really like the matchup this week. This should be uh, just sort of an exercise in how disciplined you can be and how businesslike you can be, and just don't do anything dumb. Yeah, give a damn. And yeah, give a damn, show up, provide your own energy, execute, you'll be fine. Yeah, it should be. Um, they can get in the backfield on first and second down like everybody can. Their defense is a lot better than their offense. So if you play like idiots on offense. We've seen a lot of that lately. I mean, really. Yeah, the, we really have. The ACC's got some good defense. It's yeah. a pretty good defensive league. So we'll get to that. Actually, it's oddly the start of basketball in a weird way. They've had uh, you know t- b- basketball kick off the way they do football. And, and you know, it's just weird for me to even read the numbers and all the things. And Hamilton, uh, Coach Hamilton reached out to me the other day. I got to get in touch with him again and, 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 and have him on. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, nobody's ready for basketball. Nobody is. I mean, unless you're just a diehard purist. Like, I'm more ready for the NBA right now. I was really excited to see that back last night, and I've got some bets on futures and any number of other things, but I I don't – college basketball right now is so far off my radar. I mean, it's way – I'm just being honest with the audience. You know, it's not even – it's not even a little faint hum. There's nothing there for me right now. I, I, I think I've been so drained by how bad the sport has been the last three years, and then it coincides with how bad we've been. And so you you marry those two things, and it just feels like, oh, yeah, you want me to hurry up and get to bad? I'm not going to do that. Well, and there's so much good right over here. Correct. And also college football is starting to weasel its way into different months of the year with the transfer portal and you know, oh, signing yeah. day being in different spots. Um, it's, it has found a way 
the transfer portal is always interesting. I know the windows are shrinking this year, but I mean, you got kids that graduate and they enter into the transfer portal late because they have a different exception. Yeah. So it all gets very interesting. And then you're right. College basketball as a sport was awful last year. Oh. Uh, and also, when we quit, it's hard for me to care. And we've quit too often. And I can get behind a Florida State team that's flawed but works hard. Any sport. Yeah. In me too. any sport. Me too. If they're underdogs, but you know they're giving it everything they've got. Because when Hamilton was turning it around from 1.0 to 2.0, there were some teams that were good offensively. We were starting to get the Malik Beasleys and Bacons, but they, they couldn't play defense. But you knew they were airing it out. They were trying, and they weren't going to make the tournament, but they were trying. Yeah, That's okay. You can get behind those teams. When, when they quit, that's hard, man. It's hard to summon... The care. Well, and it's especially hard to summon the care when you're in the midst of an undefeated season in football and you are not that many games away from being able to, you know, stamp your ticket, man, and, and start taking a real good look at uh, what the matchup is going to be as far as who you play and what's at stake and how winnable it is and where you're going to be playing. And I mean, these are all now realistic conversations. We're getting to that place where all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, all right, look, Florida State's favored in every game that remains. Doesn't mean they can't lose. They certainly could. And I think the Miami game will be a, a tougher game than maybe a lot of people thought before the season. We'll see what Florida's going to be at the end of the year. I'm kind of curious about Florida this weekend. But all of it is it is fascinating as we sit back and kind of look at this. And I think it just makes it hard to concentrate on anything else. I mean, I just, for example, you know, the, the baseball team was scrimmaging, and I was like, yeah, great, wonderful, yeah. It's not that I don't care, but right. I, it's just it's so far well, down the totem pole. That was a group I don't think that they quit last year. You would still no, you'd yeah, still yeah. check in and see how they yeah, were doing. They were just was, awful. They were just awful. They but were awful. and and I from by all accounts, what's going on over there at the basketball facility right now is that you got a team that likes each other more. I know Ira said it on Monday. Will they actually play like that? Once I think they will. I just I don't they know if they're too. skilled enough. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I'm rooting for them. Steve writes, uh, happy birthday, Tom. Hope you have a great day and looking forward to seeing you guys for the Miami weekend. Thank you, Steve. That's awfully Woo! nice. Tom, you keep that one. Oh, that's you. We're not sharing that one. That's all you, buddy, on your birthday. There you go. You keep that one. Thank you, Steve. Hope you and your dad are doing well. Yeah. They are always mainstays on a Friday at the CP. Now, remember, Steve, those are meet and greet styles. There might be a little short show for Miami. But it's uh, five to six. They usually get there when we were doing the the Friday shows back in the day. They would get there early, and then depart around five o'clock. So, Steve, carve out that window. We'll see you there. So, sports odds history tracks things like this, and before the start of the season, an Arizona Diamondbacks versus Texas Rangers World Series matchup was one thousand seven hundred and fifty to one. Now, there are limits on what they'll let you bet with that. But that's like free money to the, I mean, to the house. You walk up and say, I'm going to take, you know, here's a hundred bucks. They're like, thanks for the free hundred dollars. I mean, it's crazy. 1,750 to one. It is only, though, the second most unlikely matchup in World Series history. The other, a lot of people of a certain age will remember quite vividly. And that is 1991. There were longer odds on the Twins and Braves matching up. Now, the reason for that, and a lot of people forget this aspect, the Twins went from dead-ass last to first, and the Braves had gone from dead-ass last to first. So prior to the season beginning, the thought about those two teams were not any good. Worst to first, 
and then it happens. Think about this in the unlikelihood category, for, and this is why, and I remember trying to explain this over and over and over and over and over again to certain friends of mine who just apply football mentality to baseball and do not get it. And I had to do this over and over and over again when FSU would fall short, and I would say, okay, look, sometimes there is blame to be pointed. Other times, it's baseball being baseball, and they would look at me like, what does that even mean? Well, Arizona is a very good example, and this World Series is a very good example. The failed run of the Braves in the postseason this year is a very good example of baseball being cruelly baseball. Think about this. The Cubs lost 15 of their last 22 games. They went 1-6 against Arizona. They were 0-4 in extra inning games in that time. If at any point the Cubs had one more win, one of the extra inning games, one of the 15 of the 22 games that they lost, anyone, if they were 14-21, and 21, if they had just, or 22, they had, had 23, if they just had figured it out, one game, Arizona doesn't make the playoffs. Any one of those games, they don't even make the playoffs. To start the second half of the season, Arizona lost 15 of 20, including nine games in a row. To start the second half of the season, they lost 15 of 20 and nine in a row. They're in the World Series. Arizona lost their last four regular season games while fighting to get into the playoffs and were swept at home by by Houston. While trying to get into the playoffs, they fell backwards across the finish line, delirious, battered and bruised and terrible. They did nothing well almost the entirety of the second half of the season and fell into the playoffs. And they're in the World Series. This is a weird game, a cruel game. It's, it's bizarre to think about those numbers. They were outscored by 15 runs in the regular season. So they had a minus differential. We've talked about these things before. They won 84 games. The Marlins won 84 games this year and forced their popular GM out. They were so disappointed. The Padres won 82 games this year and fired their manager. The Yankees won 82 games this year and want to fire their manager and wonder why they just can't win. <laughs> it's, it, it's bizarre to look at the numbers heading into the final two games. Seven Diamondback pitchers who end up dominating over two nights. Kelly, Fott, Mantiply, Thompson, Sal Frank, is it Ginkle? <laughs> Sorry. Swall. You're going through these names. I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right for right. an 84-win ball club. Well, think about this. Those guys held Bryce Harper to 0 for 7, Trey Turner to 0 for 8, Castellanos 0 for 400, felt like. Schwarber was kept in the ballpark, and maybe, that's Maybe that. the Phillies should have brought Tom Brenneman to the booth. <laughs> and, then, and then Nick would have gone yard. So, you know, Corbin Carroll has three hits, two stolen bases, two runs, and two RBIs. And obviously Marte was a force throughout this whole thing. Um, but, I mean, 21 strikes. They give up in those two games. 
They have 21 strikeouts. They give up a total of 11 hits, three runs over the last two games. That's it. This is the lowest combined winning percentage in a World Series ever. Sets a new record. The combined winning percentage for the two combatants is 537, which equates to an 86 and change win season in a 162 game season. And that's what you have. That's what you have. Toe to toe for all the marbles. If I had to guess, it it feels like Texas, though. It feels like Texas. Well, it does. But I mean, at this point, you know, you're thinking, well, I guess. I mean, think about how the Phillies basically swept the Braves. The Braves had a miracle comeback or else they get swept. They were yeah. dominated by the Phillies. They didn't even look like they belonged on the field with the Phillies. The first two games of this series, it doesn't look like Arizona should be there. This is hideous, right? It's over. And then you have what happened the last two nights where they out-hit Philadelphia 21-11, stole eight bases to the Phillies one, out-homered Philadelphia 2-1, to and obviously those pitchers, which I talked about. Uh, yes, my personal affinity for Director Matthew aside, which is sizable, as an NL East fan of the Mets, that's just really hilarious. This is a hilarious outcome for the National <laughs> oh, League. Oh, sure, Black. yeah. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, we did this already. We we documented how frustrating it's got to be for a 100-win Dodger team, a 99-win Rays team. We yeah. can go on down the list over and over and over again, all those teams. It's not schadenfreude. Truly, it's not, because baseball is no, this no, way. No, no, no. Once you've been around long enough to yes. watch baseball no. do this to anybody, to anybody. I remember when Seattle won 100 and whatever it was, 11 games, there and they get times, bounced by the White Sox. There are times you're on a golf course. Another golf analogy. There you go, folks. And you lip out, and the guy you're playing with laughs, and you can tell that he's laughing because he's with you. And then there are times where you lip out, and a guy laughs, and you can tell because he's laughing at you. And he's pleased that oh, he's, you missed that yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They sound the same, but the tone can be just a little bit different. For me, <laughs> it's the I'm with you. It's like this, this it's, stupid. It's game. crazy. This dumb. Game. Well, all it does. Listen, two years ago, the Rangers lost a hundred games. Two years ago, Arizona lost a hundred plus games. The two teams playing in the World Series against one another prior to this this year had lost a hundred games. Weren't remotely competitive. There were no indications, zero. And and the guy that the Rangers spent all the money on pitched like five times this year. Just all you got to do, pick, I don't know, like next year, go into it and be like, I like the White Sox and the Reds to meet in the World Series. There you go. Probably, probably. Who knows? My buckos could be rolling on, buddy. Bizarre. It's Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hey seminoles we all know how important it is to score in the red zone but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in 
on the goal line. Whether making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy, the Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. trying to see if there was a function of what Wake Forest does that could cause problems for Florida State this weekend. And you can go into a lot of numbers. You know, I, you guys hear me bring up things like success rate, EPA, and all those things. But I was looking more at plays and pace because pace sometimes gets largely overlooked. You know, possessions – and plays and I going into the Duke game, I, I said on the pregame show, Tom, with you, that if Duke had it their way, they would try to force this game into an eight possession game. Florida State got ten possessions, and really would have had more had they not kick, taken a kickoff back to the house. That doesn't count as a possession. You go all the way back to the house, you lost time of possession, you lost plays, you lost a lot of things there. So you got to factor that in, although you'll take the points, of course. It was one of the biggest plays. In fact, according to uh, the adjustment of the likelihood whether you win or lose the game, that was the biggest play in the game was the kick return. That makes sense. You're down 10 at the time. You're down 10, and then you immediately flip it in. No time runs off the clock. So it's a big go to hell. Thanks for your t- you know your points, but here's seven, so suck it. Rodney was close to the first one, not, not the one that goes to the 15-yard no, line. right. Which... Oddly enough, too, I th- I don't think the Deuce was in on the next kickoff. I think they were rotating him straight up. Yeah. It's a hell of a thing. You get the uh, return. Like, All right, Rodney, go ahead. I'm going to side against doing that. But anyhow, give I am. Um, give it to Deuce. Yeah. <laughs> but when you look at uh, total plays on the year and you look at uh, plays per game, Florida State doesn't run a lot of plays. They haven't run a lot of plays. They're 82nd in the country in that. Um, Bottom 12 and power five as of a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And Wake Forest, meanwhile, is in the top uh, 30. So they aren't slowing things down at Wake. Good, good. Let's play fast, everybody. Let's get lots of plays. Lots of plays. That heavily favors Florida State. Now, if you're going to look at efficiency, I might add that I don't know why Wake is wanting to run so many plays. 121st. They're not very good at those plays that they run. Florida State is top 10. They're really good at the plays they run, especially when it comes to big plays because they make lots of them. And that helps change the overall EPA. The numbers are that drastically changes everything there. I think the good thing, too, just if you're looking at Jordan, and we've been documenting this very closely, but the last couple of weeks, I would go with the start of the game at Syracuse, uh, versus Syracuse, I should say, and then last week's game as a whole. Jordan is now showing on film, no uncertain terms, that if you're going to play off 
or you're going to give some zone looks, he will take underneath. Earlier in the year, not so much. Last couple of games, absolutely. He's been forced to efficiency. Yeah, and he's been forced to be very patient, and uh, I'm impressed by that. I, I, I think that was necessary, though. Remember earlier in the year, like you said, you could see him forcing it. Now he gets what defenses are doing to him defenses were not going to continue to allow two superstars to just torch them over the top for massive chunk plays. They weren't going to just be like, oh, yeah, we're cool with you having a play that hits for 48. It changes everything in the game when that happens. But quietly, I think what that's doing is is unlocking the offense. It, it, and that absolutely forces them to spread the ball around, which was what we were begging to have happen, and it forces their hand to look at their other options as a staff calling plays as well. It changes the way Mike views what they should be doing. Well, and that's before he even runs the ball himself, too. That's the other thing. Like This offense, I think, is actually molding into a real juggernaut here that we may not well, recognize yeah. in the moment, but I think it's happening. Well, but only – and I agree with you, but I think it, the whole thing is dependent on in the bigger games where you could get beat against real defenses, are you going to run Jordan? And the answer, I think, is without a – Without a doubt, yes. They don't want to run them in games where they don't have to, where their success rate is high just handing the ball off and throwing the ball. They feel like they can win by two or three touchdowns, maybe not maximize efficiency, maybe not maximize their point output, maybe not you know, play to the, the level that, you know, if you look at expected outcomes, you might see a game like this and say, well, Florida State should win this game by whatever. I don't think the coaching staff is looking at it that way. The coaching staff is looking at it as, okay, we, 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 we're going to probably win this game. I don't know that they would say it that way. I'd probably rephrase that. But as long as we do what we're supposed to do when we execute the plays that we run, we'll win this game. We have the better players, and we're bigger, stronger, faster. So we will win this game. We'll only come out of that mindset if you force us, if all of a sudden game circumstances change. So you give up a pick six. Oh, no, no, now you forced my hand. Now I'm going to have to do something about it now. Okay. And it's almost like a threat. You know, now you've pissed me off. Well, but that's kind of how they're operating. And they're doing that because they want to protect Jordan. I think part of it too is he's choosing to do so more often when he's given the option when they're pressed. Like I think, it, I think this is an agreement across the board a little bit here. I mean, is, yeah, you play to win the game. Like, for example, the second quarter against Clemson, we're up against it, and yeah, he you, runs. You know that you can't get much – like, if it gets much wider, if the gap grows, and that set of circumstances on the road against that defense, he knows they're not going to be able to come back. So that drive in the second quarter, the, the drive, the, the big one, that we answer with points – is huge, and in Jordan, in that situation, ran the ball, like you said. Well, I, but I think – so we've talked about this before, that maybe he's not reading it great about I don't, the I, read option. When maybe to give, he's when been to forced to, to not but, read it great. Maybe he's been told don't keep. Right, that's what I'm saying. Well, maybe it's a, a collective decision here that if it's the first quarter, I mean, short of it being – Well, then just line up and run. Don't 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 give me well, – but the what's fa- the point of the option? It still holds them. I think defenses are still honoring it, but it might just be a gentleman's agreement or an unspoken agreement that, hey, there are no- you don't need it right now. The thing is yeah, that yeah. If, if you look at Duke, like that fourth down play, in the moment you're saying, what the hell are you running it up the middle? It kind of is the exact same concept you ran against Clemson 
where Jaheim is out wide and Jordan. It's basically a triple option. You can yeah. give, yeah. you can keep, and then there's a throw out of it. He might hit his head on the goalpost if he keeps the ball. Yeah, that's that absolutely situation. correct. He would. I mean, I, I I think you've got to be a little more aggressive here in games where you're threatened, where in games where you can respect the other team. And Duke was one of those teams, in my opinion. Maybe they didn't feel that way going in. I, I think I, I thought that you should do that in that situation. You could have made this a little less um, nerve-wracking uh, sooner. But, okay, either way, they did it when they needed yeah. to. They came back. They won well, the game going away. That's fine. There's a lot of Leonard Hamilton to this, which oh, is stealing minutes, yes. stealing snaps. Yep. It's Kumaje starting for the first 10 minutes of the game. Or how many media timeouts how can I get to? How many minutes can I get it? Are we still tied at 20 with that kid in there? Right. Really? Oh, my goodness. Well, let's give him another three minutes. <laughs> you know, like it, That's what it feels like at times. Yeah, and, and it's hard to argue. They're efficient. They're 7-0. and But you're not going to see this – you know, they're a top – so in terms of efficiency, they're kind of like a, a, a top 40 offense instead of a top 10 offense when they could could very easily be a top 10 offense if they just decided that we're going to incorporate that from jump. When they do, it's an almost unstoppable-looking offense. But they haven't felt threatened in a lot of games to do that. And, and I, I would venture a guess. I don't know this. And if I did know it, I wouldn't be allowed to tell you, but I honestly don't. I'm looking at the camera. I don't know it. I, I, I just think that Jordan has been dinged off and on, certainly throughout his career we know that's true, but I think even this year we've seen that, and we know the injury he had against Boston College, and basically I think that has lingered in a way that threatens his health the rest of the year or certainly for a prolonged period of time. And so in that moment they made a decision and said, okay, look, we can win the vast majority of these matchups. We're good enough to win the vast majority of these matchups without your legs being a vital part of what we do. Here and there, maybe we might need them. I may tell you, hey, we need them here. We need them here. You know, it's we're tied here. There's nine minutes to go in the third quarter. It's time. You know, that kind of a thing. It might happen. So we're going to go ahead and create some distance now with a couple of drives, utilizing that skill set. And once we get it, then I want you to dial it back. We'll be all right. Defense is getting stops in the second half of games. We should be okay. Well, when it works, and it's working right now, Across the board, you talk about defensive substitutions or offensive philosophy and play calling. When it works, you're able to do two things at the same time. Win the game before you and develop for the future as well. And I think that's what this rotation on defense is doing. I mean, you know, at the end of the year, let's say that we accomplish our goals and we make the playoff, and then you roll the dice and whatever happens from there happens. But you don't think that what Gilbert Edmonds going through right now or Byron Turner's going through right now is invaluable for their development as football players down the line? My God, the amount of snaps that these dudes are getting. Yeah. Same thing to, with the linebackers well, or Conrad Hussey. Like, I get it. No, no, I, I'm with you. And generally well, speaking, I, I pump the brakes. Yeah, I think it's true in some cases and not others. I agreed. There are some but, guys that aren't going to be a part of what you're trying to do moving forward and ought not be anyhow, and trying to get them a bunch of reps is dumb. I don't disagree. But what I'm saying overall is when it works, you are – for the long term, developing guys, and as actually Dave Clawson said this week, it's kind of funny. You keep everybody happy too. Oh, of course. Now that keeping guys fresh and you keep guys happy. Well, now that was always going to be part of the math, and that part of it I understand almost more than any of the other ancillary stuff that we talk about. Because to me, there are always going to be challenges to having this many transfers. Like I get, we've done it better than most, probably better than all. Florida State has won the battle of the transfer portal. Its collective is the number one collective in college football. The battle's end by far and away has done a better job of evaluating rosters and the market 
than any other collective. Now, I don't say that because we happen to know and are friends with Ingram Smith. The results are there before you. Roster retention, the articles written nationally, all the things that you've seen that evaluates that space, the battle's in is, if not number one, certainly in the conversation. But when you go about building your roster, and it was born out of necessity, without question, when you go about building your roster that way, you are going to have to strike a balance and figure out how to keep people happy because that is a tough mix to have in a locker room. I recruited you from high school. You've worked your ass off year through two years. You're expecting to play your junior season. I go out and bring in a transfer portal over you. Human nature kicks in at some point, and you resent that. You're pissed about that. You've done all that was asked of you, and now this kid gets to walk in here never having played a down for this school, and he's going to take all of my reps? Not cool. And they get that, and they've kind of figured out, like, all right, we've got to get some kids playing time that have done the right thing, who we do expect to need in the not-too-distant future. Even if we didn't need him this year in a way we thought we would, we are going to need him the following year. Because that guy that came in for the one year that pissed off the guy that I just described, he's gone after this year. So a perfect example of that would be Portier, right? Portier would have to feel like he's included in some way at some point. Now, some of the year he had an injury, but he's back, and he wants to play. But Keon Coleman's better than Portier. He just is by a lot. It's not close, not even remotely close. But you're going to need Portier. This could be a Kentron game this weekend if Johnny's not available. Well, Although, who the hell knows? Mike said he liked where Johnny was on Sunday. Yeah, but I wouldn't play him. I don't care where he's at. I'm not playing him in this game. You don't need him. But, yes, he could. this could be a it's big a game. It's a Hakeem game, potentially. Look at yeah. the way they've worked in the other guys. Now, Hakeem not only is a five-star uh, you know, star in the making on the field as well as the five-star ranking off of it, we see now what he is. But they are rewarding him because of how hard he's worked. The talent is through the roof, but it's also a, this kid went game after game without a catch, and in some cases without a target, and he did so while being a vicious blocker. So that's a selflessness that should be rewarded. The balance that I'm speaking of is always on display. I'm very, this is the most impressive aspect of what Mike Norvell and his staff have done. They, individually and collectively, they have figured out which buttons to push when, how to balance it, how to create a sense of urgency, how to infuse a resilience that is on display in big games when they have to have it. There's a, there's a confidence in those moments that uh, they've built very, very quickly. Again, they've only been a successful program. I'm not talking about in their history. I'm talking about under this regime. They've only been a successful program for one year. Well, one year and seven games. That's it. You know, in terms of wins and losses. So they don't have a long track record where you could default and have a kid get mad at you if he wants to and say, well, look, pal, this is 10 years of us kicking ass. Who, what kid's yelling at Nick Saban? Ain't none of them. Or they're gone, right? Because what are you going to say to Nick Saban? But Mike ain't Nick. And he doesn't have that track record. So he's been able to balance that, find success, get people in games, recruit over people through the portal, find, for the most part, not have it backfire. There are a couple of guys I think they wish they had back couple of guys they wish were still here that they probably pushed out the door because of the portal. But not many. Not a ton. Yeah. And it certainly didn't fracture the locker room at any point. But it's a lot of plate spinning. There's a lot oh, of plate it's spinning a lot, going man. on. It's a lot. And it's the modern day of college football, and there's going to be a baseline of plate spinning that is more frequent than past iterations of college football. That's fair. There's always been stuff behind the scenes that nobody ever talks about or covers that coaches have to deal with. 
and discipline and all that stuff. But the problem for Florida State is, given the lack of depth of talent, you're having to spin more plates in the short term. You get a little bit of a relief here yeah. if you can continue to kick ass in the high school ranks, and right now we're a top-five class. And there could be some momentum that maybe gets even better by the well, end. The more you win, the better that class is going to look. Signing yes. day. So then you don't have to do quite as much when it comes to the portal, but the portal is always going to be a big part of what we do. I, I'm just – they're so good at it, I wouldn't stop. Well, I, I would get to a place, hopefully, where you, know, you don't see a ton of portal action with Georgia and Alabama and teams like that because when you recruit five-star over five-star over five-star, you don't have to. You don't have to. You develop it. It's your culture. It's a little bit easier to build when you're able to keep it in-house through the high school ranks. But, yes, I wouldn't I wouldn't do what Dabo's done, completely ignore opportunities to radically alter rooms that change your fortunes on the field because you're grounded in some inane – well, I almost said BS, but you, you get what I'm saying. I mean, like, yeah, yeah I'm not going to do that. And Mike never will either. He's a forward-thinking young coach. We see this in his decision-making. He's aggressive. He's 42 years old. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that's what's going to happen. The money's going to talk in most situations – when you're talking about the portal, especially with rental type guys, they're a multi-year portal. There's different types of portal players. Correct. There's one years. There's there's the Braden Fisks, the Keon Coleman's of the world, and then there are guys that you get that are multi-year projects. Like Fabian Love has been here a minute. He was a transfer portal guy. Jordan Travis. Yeah. Before the portal existed, yeah. but you get the point. There are some dudes who are going to be multi-year projects. Uh, Kaziah Holmes, I think, is a very good example of that. That they know they're coming here not for a money year. They're trying to develop and get better and, and all that kind well, of stuff. And, and, and a guy like Kaziah specifically, you're you're fortunate because of your approach. You can say to Kaziah, look, we're going to try to get you in. You're going to get some reps. There'll be some moments for you. But we've got four or five guys that we love. So Right. And, yes, you could speak from a place of yeah. power when yeah. you're the coach. You still want to come here? Because this is the reality of your situation. No, no rep is guaranteed. As a side note, I love that touchdown this weekend. It wasn't exactly the same as the Chad Abram yeah. score from Pasadena, but it's a similar concept. You get the ball out of your hands. And, and that's the, a trucking, by the way. Let the man get downhill. Yeah, that, that poor kid had to wear that, yes. But when you have this reputation as a portal institution, I would imagine that means the bat phone is ringing more often. Oh, without question. Because you've proven you can do it and yeah. get guys paid. Well, listen, you're going to have to go that route on the defensive line and offensive line again this year. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, You're going to have to go in and bring in some guys. And I think you probably need to do it at linebacker as well. Well, I've been saying that forever, but, you know, I mean. No, that's fair. I mean, they get, you're going to have to Secondary, you feel pretty good. Well, yeah, you got a lot of lot of options in the secondary. And I, I feel much better. You cultivate a safety, but. You know. Yeah, but I think, I think when we talk about getting guys reps because you think that they're going to help you this year, right now, at the end of the season, they're going to make plays for you. Well, Conrad Hussey is that guy. There's no doubt he's a guy that can make plays for you now and is a difference maker from an athletic standpoint than some of the guys you have out there. Some other positions, for example, at linebacker, do you really need that many reps for Omar Graham? No, you don't. The answer is no, you don't. Stop doing that. But they do it. It's what they do. But I, I, I think you would go segment group by segment group based on the potential of that starter or yeah. starter to be oh. and, and what they are. I mean, you could call it out loud and say it. If Farmer and Peyton go, you need two more than you already need right now. You know, that's the thing is I think they're already looking at that market. But if you cannot retain, if you do not have the ability to retain, and I think 
I feel pretty good about Peyton as the season's going along. He's playing well, but, yeah, but I don't he's know not, that, I mean, he's not, no. He's got to come back. I don't know if he's large enough He's going to have a big, no, he's not big enough yet, and he's got to have a big year next year to go where he wants to go. He, yeah. That kid fancies himself a first-round pick. He's not anywhere close to that right now. And not, he could not be anywhere. with another year of season. Right, you keep yeah. getting bigger and stronger and have a breakout year next year, yeah. And yet, they were good enough, the collective was, to retain Jared Verse, who I don't know that he's materially improved his stock from one year to the next. Maybe a little bit, maybe a few drafts Well, by getting bigger, I think he helped himself. But other than that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that there's as much of a change as could happen for Peyton. But Farmer could say, man, I I am what I am. And I'm going to ball out in terms of the combine numbers are going to look great at my size. He's also had a good year. And the film looks great. The film looks great, yeah. But even if you retained both of those players, I I still think you would need to dip into them. The portal. I just, I, I think lines. every day as we keep winning, if Florida State goes to eight, no, this weekend, and you know it's an if, you still got to go up there and play well. But if Florida State gets to eight, no, this weekend, and you get another step closer to realizing this dream of going and maybe competing and winning an ACC title and playing in a playoff, I, I keep coming back to how thankful I am that Daryl Jackson's going to be eligible to play in a playoff because I think they're a little thin there. I don't think they are nearly as deep as we had hoped they'd be at this juncture. You just don't get a lot from Fabian Lovett anymore, and obviously Briggs has been hurt some, and you've had some issues there. Fabo made some plays this weekend. but well, he, he had a play where he was unblocked and he made a play. He made a couple others, but it was missed, the contributions of Dennis Briggs. And Mike Norvell said yesterday that they Very think he'll missed. be back in, in the short term. Yeah, I would imagine that means probably not yeah. available this weekend. Uh, but... Not having Dennis out there, even if it was for 15, 20 snaps, I mean... You can feel it. You Yes, because then you get to Lions, and that's next. And you're like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, mean yeah. I, that, I think that's going to be a nice player, but when you're facing Duke's front, which And they're is running the ball with that size, right. I think you got one snap, you know? Yeah, they weren't... <laughs> yeah. If he was already, you might have gotten 10. <laughs> if it was a different... <laughs> Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, Orchan TV, Balls McWednesday, but it's more than Balls McWednesday, it's Tom's birthday, so there you go, it's, that's, a, that's the day to identify. Also, really quickly, identifying, let's say hello and thank you to our friends at Garnet and Gold, and uh, oh, by the way, you can save a lot of money, if you're a, uh, uh, or money, as they say, not money, as I just said. Uh, I like that better. You like that? That was Christopher Walken all of a sudden, just strange. And ordinarily, people say money. <laughs> we say money. Uh, there you, look at these hoodies. If you're watching on War Chant TV, they're both beautiful. That one on the left is tight. 20% off hoodies and crews right now. And uh, it's a War Chant day with our friends at Garden Gold. War Chant subscribers, 20% off hoodies and crews. Now, that's only if you're a Warchant subscriber. If you're a slappy who hasn't signed up yet, you don't deserve to save 20%. But the rest of you, here you go. You'll get the Get code. on with the getting. The way it works, for those of you that are new Warchant members, welcome aboard, Warchant.com. You head over to the Tribal Council tomorrow. It's a one-day sale, once a month for Warchant days. And then uh, Gene puts in a code, and that code is good for the day. And you can use it to redeem 
on the hoodies, which are good. I'm sporting one today myself from Garnet and Gold, and it is quite snazzy. Yeah, that's a, a, the Mike Norvell replica one, only it's not gray, it's Garnet. Yep, it's the, yeah, the inverted Norvell. Mm-hmm. So like the, uh, how would you say his name backwards? I like that one right there. That's a nice one. I didn't really pay attention when you came in, but that's nice. That's quality. Leron, yeah, Leron. It's inverted Norvell. Ten <laughs> percent off all purchases at Garnet and Gold, though, all year long for Warchant.com members. So the membership before you get the greatness on the website itself, which there's a lot of that, pays for itself. Yeah. By the way, keep winning, and you won't have to worry about um, some of this stuff in in terms of how much portal action you need, because I think your high school recruiting continues to soar upwards if you keep winning. I mean, this is always going. One, one, this is a good and bad thing. I think this is a staff that ultimately will garner the attention of elite players almost solely through a couple of guys and wins on the field. It's not an elite recruiting staff at all, and they miss because of that occasionally in a most frustrating way, but they have to overcome some of those inadequacies by just winning a lot of games. Now, they are helped out by having a dynamic recruiter in the sense that Mike Norvell, if he gets a kid across from him, can be the huge difference maker in his recruitment. There has been very few in the way of recruiting that uh, have come away with anything other than a lot of flowery language descriptors for Mike Norvell and what he's like to be around and how motivating he is and how uh, I think – uh, if you're a recruit, one of the things that you continue to cite, and I've seen this time and again, whether it's a kid in the portal or a kid out of high school, he's unwavering in the challenges. Like he just continues to get guys across from him and say, well, look, I wouldn't be talking to you if you couldn't play. So that's a given. But now I want you to understand something about the way we do business here. I'm going to challenge you to make you better and it's going to be uncomfortable and you have to be willing to take hard coaching. There was a kid this weekend, um, I forget if it was Michael Langston's or Matt Lasser's article, but I was I was editing it before it went out, and the kid's quote was something to the effect of, "He's not the greatest salesman because he says how hard college is, but I love that about him." Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. he, he doesn't tell you this is going to be the best four years of your life. He says this is going to be the hardest thing you do, which but you'll is, leave here better. But it's a different pitch, and that's where you stand out and you stick to it because he says it as he messages when you're on campus. He's the same guy once you arrive after you sign the paperwork as before, which most coaches are not. So there are lessons to learn from people who've done things very, very well preceding him, even if they've kind of fallen off a cliff in other areas. And whenever it's appropriate, I apply it here. We would all agree Jimbo Fisher's a really good recruiter. Now, things can happen poorly once you're on campus, but he's a really good recruiter. And one of the reasons is that he tells people, quote unquote, the truth about how he sees them as a player. That's what Mike does. Hour number two, forthcoming.